making the world healthier, safer, and more efficient. That's the mission for IT professionals at Lidos. And right now, they're looking for the next generation of innovators to help transform the business and change the future of work. Excellent pay and sign-on bonuses available. Security clearance required. Put your software skills to work with Lidos. Learn more at lidos.com slash phx2. That's l-e-i-d-o-s dot com slash phx2. Blog Talk Radio. Let's start with hope. In the middle like a skipping stone A ripple's one Son of a gun Some would not have thought so But I stand here Commander-in-chief And I take that seriously But along the way A rogue ripple turned tidal wave In reaction to Try to do a rebirth of a nation's hatred Red, white, and blue Is black in there too Seriously One man Rewriting the book on bad behavior Maybe cheats the neighbors Feels he gets what they pay for weekends Pat him on the back and send him on through. No man's ignorance will ever be his virtue. Is this the best we can be? Seriously. Let's talk of fear and why I don't bring it in here. It's a dangerous word. Books to herd and we all bleed in the stampede. Fear makes a false friend indeed. And I take it seriously. Oh, hear me now. For the truth gets drowned out by a demigod flexing. A demigod flexing. history Take our time all the weight of this story. 
seriously. Greetings and welcome to the Truth to Power show. My name is Beverly D. and Mr. Myron Rice is back with us. And so uh, these are serious times that we in. And uh, I can understand how uh, Methuen felt when she was trying to free the, the slaves. Some wanted to be free and some did not. So the ones that uh, is not interested in being free, just get out of the way for those that are. So it's great to have Mr. Myron Rice back with us. Mr. Rice, is this you on the line? Mr. Rice? Okay, let me see. Are we having difficulty here getting Mr. Mr. Rice here? Hold on. What I'm going to do, everyone, let me put another song on for you, and uh, let me see where Mr. Rice is at. And uh, what do I want to play here? Let's see. Hmm. Choices, choices, choices. Okay. make this connection. Mr. Rice, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we Hello? hear you. We hear you. Okay. Yes, we can hear you. All right. So, it's okay, good to well, have you back, welcome Mr. everyone. Rice. Welcome. Yeah. I hope everyone had a very good vacation. I know I did. Plenty of rest. <laughs> I hope there were some processes. Some things I have been hearing over this holiday or this vacation time was great. Uh, some of it was kind of distressful, a lot of deaths. I just came back from awake. Um, but you know how 
And that, that that's all the time, everywhere, mm-hmm. every part of the world, somebody goes and see our little Lord upstairs. Yeah. Hopefully that's who they're visiting. But in the meanwhile, we hopefully that people had a time to listen to the shows. You did have a show going each Sunday, right? Yes, yes. I don't okay. think I did last Sunday, but I had them most of the summer. Okay, well, then they can go ahead and um, have any questions. In the meanwhile, I do have Zoom on. I've been talking to Zoom people on Zoom. So if you want to dial in on Zoom, that number is... Excuse me, you have to download Zoom, first of all, so you can put the passcode in there, and that is 675-305-0662, Zoom, so you can see a picture of things that I'm doing, what I want to do. Again, 675-305-0662, and when you call, please, when you come in Zoom, please mute your mics because I can hear you in your background, but no one on the show can, but I can hear you, so that's the strap them. Listen, don't talk to me through Zoom because you know, people, unless you got a question and then maybe I can repeat the question so people out there can hear because I know Beverly have people online that types in stuff for her and give her information mm-hmm. to, to give to the public. But we're going to do this hopefully a little more better more efficient than we did last two years. Um, seriously, questions need to be asked. I may not do, as I always do, ask people to give me their success stories because I have heard through the grapevine, through third parties, from third parties, to third parties, to third parties, that people have done some of the things that I have mentioned, but they had to sign a letter of non-confidentiality. Not only can they not call my show, or nor speak to me, nor Skype me, <laughs> but that is what's going on, folks. I got it from third party, third party, third party. You know, um, I mentioned before, the guy called me that was in jail a year ago. I recommend what he needs to do, and he calls him out of jail. You know, and, you know, then I didn't hear from him anymore until he called a week later saying, oh, I got $75 million. What do I do, Mr. Bright? I said, well, first of all, pay me for getting you out of jail. Okay, well, I figured out. Bye. You know, thank you. Mm, wow. <laughs> take the boy out of prison, but you can't take the prison out the boy. I'm sorry. That's, right. that's, that's very crazy. I got you out. You gave me no compensation, and then you want me to show you how to get rid of seventy-five million dollars. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? what that's, I said, right, that's why. That's pathetic. And you, you gotta have to do like other people. They make them pay for the information, so make them pay you up front. Yeah, and I have people who do that, and and some of them don't. But this is what I recommend because I know I have a lot of people in different states, and I'm showing them different methods. And they want to help other people. Well, this is what you're going to have to do, folks. You're going to have to open up a trust. Go to IRS, set up a trust. And they and both of you all would be the grantors in the trust, or you're the trustee, they're the grantor. They can put the money in an escrow. You go open up account at the bank and you make sure you tell Make sure the, both signatures have to be on the check for any withdrawals. 
Both signatures are needed, and you tell them that. You want both signatures. You can open up an escrow account at the bank and make sure both signatures are required for any withdrawals from that account. So after you do your paperwork, after you've done the job, after they get the results that they need to get, and not just you do it, this is anybody you deal with. I got so many people who paid $2,500 to get something done, and they didn't get done right, and they didn't get a refund. Set up a trust. I would give you your $2,500 to do what you do. We can both go in there and withdraw the money, and I'll pay you. You know, But the point is that you're going to have to set up a trust, folks. You're going to have to put, they do this in real estate all the time. And every, until the house is sold and you moved in, whatever, then they dissolve the trust and any funds go to you. But this is what you need to do. Set up a trust. I would say a contract, but then you got to go to court, whatever. No, have them put the money in the trust. Because if they got the money, they're going to give you the money at the end of your deal or whatever you do for them. And they should have the money up front where they go ahead and put it inside a trust account at the bank, the escrow account, where both signatures are required for withdrawal. So nobody can get it out. Neither party can get it out until they go in together. And you've done what you've done. They're happy with your job if you're doing it, or you're happy with their job, then you both can go in there and they get the funds. The money's there for them. If they can't sit and wait how long ever it takes for it to be done, then, you know, Charlie for them. Then don't get into a deal with them. Because I guarantee, folks, once you've done the job, there's no guarantee you're going. They're going to pay you. You did what they wanted. So I'm just one of, I just putting that out there. Open a trust account. Get an escrow with the trust name. Deposit the funds in there with both signatures required at the bank. And, you know, then after the job is done, after they do whatever they're supposed to do, or you do whatever you're supposed to do, then you both go in there to shut the account down. Okay? So you can get your money and they can get nothing. Whoever does, whoever's what, get it, whoever get their money and funds. Okay. So in the meanwhile. Okay, wait. Okay, Mr. Rice. Just say that I come to you, you charge me $3,000 to do this paperwork. Now, are you doing it or I'm doing it? You teaching me how to do it? Or are you saying I anybody, whoever we go to? Any, yeah, anybody. If you this, come to me, this, this is what you do. Go yeah, this is what I recommend that you do. You go to IRS.gov, take 15 minutes to set up a trust uh, mm-hmm. and, and have some kind of indenture, some format of what you're going to do. I am going to do mm-hmm. this, that, and another for him because that's what it's called mm-hmm. an indenture. Someone called me the other day about a trust. It's called indenture. Mm-hmm. An indenture is instructions to the trustee of what they are to do for the trust. So you have an mm-hmm. indenture, whatever you're supposed to do. Now you go to the bank. The banks looks at this and they will open up and ask them to open up an escrow account because you have a trust with an EIN number. That's what you want to get from the IRS. So you go open up an escrow account. You have the three thousand dollars deposit. You know, if you need some money up forward, then maybe you get two or three hundred dollars and put the other uh, times ten into with the, the balance of uh, $2,700 in the bank account. You know, if you need 300 because you got to, you know, set pace for something that that you that's going to be required up front. 
then that's what you do. That, I mean, come on, this is nothing that anyone who gets an attorney, they look at that and do that anyway. So if someone is not willing to do that for you, sit down and tell them to go get them an attorney. Just go get an attorney and get screwed. And that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, so, now, say that the person is going through a process to get their credit, you know, to get part of the contract that's that you've been, we've been under. Now that money can't go in the bank. That money has to go somewhere say, else, correct? Say, say that again. Now someone want to get you get some credit. Okay, I'm not understanding. No, I'm okay. Just saying that the paperwork. Just saying you helping me with the paperwork, and we agree that if this paperwork goes through, I'm gonna pay you uh, three thousand dollars. Okay, but then what about if it goes through and I get some funds or whatever? That funds can't go in that that you saying that the escrow the the trust account is just so you get paid correct yes or the person who so well, whatever you, they get what if they get right if they get paid and this happened to a guy who his mama died and they gave him something like you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars on one of her accounts she has several mm-hmm. um she mm-hmm. paid he paid someone half of what they asked for and. After he got the money, he didn't pay him pay her the second half. She, you know, mm. he only gave me half. And then he went and took his mm. girlfriend, and they went to Vegas and partied in Vegas, and mm. he lost the money. I mean, mm. but if you had the whole amount in an escrow account, and you're like, okay, let's go, we shut this account. I'm getting paid. Once you got those three hundred and whatever, then I let let me get let me let's go and and shut down this account before he spends mm. his money. Let's go to the bank, shut down that escrow account, and get your money. Mm-hmm. And then if if it don't go through, if he if whatever you instructed the person to do, I mean, what happened to what happened do they still? I mean, they can't pay you if they don't have it or what? Is it something else that they have to pay if they don't go through or what? The pay the payment is already there, Beverly. You already got your money up front in a bank account. So whether what you done doesn't go through, now that's a nothing matter. If it don't go through because that's what I'm their saying. fault. Well, okay, well, I'm going to say, if it, if, it, if it didn't go through because they didn't do something that you asked them to do or that you did, then uh, if it's their fault, then you still get paid. But if it's your fault, then you go back in there and you just give them their money back because you didn't, didn't follow, it didn't follow through like a lot of people usually happens with a lot of folks. UCC ones get filed and it don't go through, but they still want their money mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, the administrative, I got to pay the typist. Well, wait a minute. The UCC was rejected. So why would give you a penny? I don't care about your typist. You come out of your pocket because you told me you can do it. But the point is that you, you're getting this money up front. You put it into an escrow account. And, you know, both well, both both signatures are required so no one could take anything out without the other person knowing about it. And then you, you know, can uh, um, you know get, get your funds back once you've done the job mm-hmm. and the job was done properly and they got back what they want? But I I don't understand those people and their mentalities where they think that you're supposed to do it for nothing. Come on, yeah. You can't go to an attorney and say, "Hey, I need you to do this for nothing." That's not going to happen. And, and they don't ask other people that. Just it's just us that they want to do it for nothing. 
Yes. When they go anywhere else, they pay. Hold on, hold on a minute, Beverly. Somebody on Zoom is typing. Please mute yourself, Zoom people. I hear someone. What's it? Get 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 them, boy. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Beverly. No, I was just saying. You know, it's just so sad that a lot of us do each other like that, but we don't do other people like that. Um, and that that's because of the mentality of what we have. Well, that that that's been going down. We've been we've been getting a bad end of something so long. We've been accepting anything and everything that's been dished out. And this is about a, a whole different mindset. It's always been about you turning your mindset around and looking yourself, look at yourself as a creditor when you look in the mirror. You are a creditor, full faith and credit. Everything that they have is from your energy. They cannot get anything unless your energy is involved. You are the third dimension that's needed to make the two-dimension run. GM can't do nothing. It's just two letters. The CFO is doing all the work. He's writing the checks. He's ordering the cars. He's he's doing everything for the company. The individual behind it, the man, the woman. GM is just two letters. A general motive is two words. It don't matter. Either way, it can't. It's not real. So we have to start thinking this way. Now, what I wanted to do on this show, and somebody's writing on my screen, quit writing on your monitors, please. Uh, I have laws and stuff that I wanted to put in today. I want to state these laws, and I'll probably type them up. I have been doing a lot of work, even over the summer. And I use Skype. I'm sorry, Zoom. Um, Skype. We can't. We can't hear you. You laughing? I can mute yourself. Okay, thank you. Um. Uh, um. We have. Um. What was I? What was I talking about? Talking about Skype. I have done a Skype. Yeah, I have a lot of documents. Uh, prison release was one of them. Now, this is not what I told the guys that got themselves out. Well, I thought this was a, a simpler method that can be used. So under scribe, uh, S-C-R-I-B-D, S-C-R-I-B-D dot com forward slash rice tech, R-I-C-E-T-E-C-H, rice tech. And I have things that I put on there how you could travel, use a Michigan law, use Michigan law. Now, I found out if you can't find those laws in your state, then maybe you need to contact Michigan uh, laws and tell them to send you a certified copy of the law, put an affidavit on there, sign it, notarize it, authenticate it in your state, and register it to yourself. Now, it is a law for your foreign entity. We are foreign to them. Your estate is foreign. You should have your own rules and laws. You can create, use the ones in your state, but you don't have to. You can use one law in any state and put it in an affidavit. That is a very powerful document. Very powerful. And once you register it to yourself, then you, if you want, you can put it in a newspaper saying that my state has this law. Boom. So what it means? 
But if I do a package, you know, if I do a package to someone and I've got, like, Minnesota, Rule 220, it's a general rule of practice. General rule of practice. Yes, Minnesota's name on there, but not no more. It's Myron's general rules of practice. And Myron's general rules of practice saying that once I have authenticated, I registered my name, once I registered my name, and then I am to notice, give notice to the register of title, which is the uh, the clerk, the county clerk, that he must recognize me as being at the age of majority. That's the only law that I saw where it said that, that someone must treat you at the age of majority. So follow those instructions, folks. It's already there. Matter of fact, that's one of the laws I need to put down there. Minnesota rule, I'm just writing these down, uh, rule 220. Well, as I told you, a lot of times the reason some of the things that we have, um, Mr. Dunbar, M. Dunbar, please mute yourself. Thank you. Everyone in rule two, you know, everyone needs to be recognized at the age of majority. And that is one of the ways I see you need to do it. Your registered name. You have to register your name. Actually, you're not even supposed to do business without your name being registered. The only reason you're not in jail is because we pay taxes. We're giving them a cut of all of our commercial transactions. But if you don't give them a cut of the action, they're going to throw you in jail because you are not supposed to be commercing without your name being registered. So go somewhere and register your name. We ain't talking about a DBA. A DBA is not registering nothing. I know in Michigan we can't even do a DBA in our name because they'll say the state owns your name. But I believe Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, North Carolina, and if I, uh, the other state I believe is Texas, are three states where right. you'll find out your all-legal name is capitalized but your name holder is put in small print. Gosh, I'm going to have to do a global mute on everyone here because Mr. Dunbar, <laughs> he's interrupting well, mute himself. Everybody, he got, I mean, I'm mean, in his car beeping him? and all this other stuff. Can't you, can't you uh, mute him? Yeah, that's the area code. It say Dunbar 21, was it 2112? Everyone, please mute it. I have to maybe figure out how to do that local muting. But I thought they'd give me the respect that's needed. Please mute yourself. Okay. Again, um, where was I at, Beverly? Sorry, folks out there in the listening world. Okay. Uh, we're rule 220. Registering your name. Your name. If your name is not registered, you are going to supposed to be going to jail. But again, you pay taxes, no problem. Because they get a cut of the action, no problem, no. Okay? Okay. One of the rules, some of the rules that I'm going to be referencing for folks to go, all contracts is property. All contracts is property. There's property here. And who's holding that property? You have to. Another one rule that you must go and get is the uh, um, go to the Department of Justice, go download 
called Chapter 11 Guidelines. Go to the Department of Justice. Go to and ask them or go and download, type in in the search, Chapter 11 Guidelines. They are called debtors in possession. They are debtors in possession. What are they possessing? They're possessing your property, and they're putting it in a trust. Okay? They are debtors in possession. That's how you need to title them. Forget that public trustee. Just say you debtors in possession. Read the rules. It says that they have to close down. When they filed bankruptcy in 1933, they had to close down all their accounts prior to that, that petition. And after it, they have to open accounts that say they are debtors in possession. Okay? Treat them as just debtors in possession working for you. They're debtors. Treat them that way. Quit thinking yourself as a debtor. You are the creditor. But I really feel because, you need to authenticate the birth certificate. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But, but most of the documents that you deal with them, that's what they put down. They put down that you are the debtor and they the creditor. They're lying. You, well, not say, I won't say lying. They're because remember, they work under what is called a quasi-trust. They have a quasi-trust where they have three positions, office of the creditor, office of the administrator, and office of the debtor. When you sign that contract with them, you say, I am going to pay a debt on a monthly basis or whatever. You signing as a debtor. They are the administrator for the office of the creditor. So when you write a check and pay a bill, it's going to the office of the administrator. But guess what? They don't know who's in the office of the creditor. You abandoned the office of the creditor. So they can't send it back to you. Because when you make a check and make a payment to them, they're supposed to send the funds to the creditor. But they don't know who the creditor is. They don't know who the creditor is. So, therefore, they're keeping the funds until you step up to the plate. And most times, most of you all don't do that. You don't file an OID or whatever asking for the funds back. You abandon it after three or four years. They say you abandoned the funds. You have to learn how to, uh, if you just automatically just write a letter to each and every debtor or every contract you have, telling them that you are the creditor, that you are not a U.S. citizen. Now, we had a site, had a site called Treasury for the United States of America where people had to pay, what, $85 because a national, get an ID and a card for a American national, $175 to get a, a passport for American national. They took it down. They took it down. It was so easy. $175, you was good as gold. $85, you good as gold. But you still, I, I'm a state national. And um, and if you go to a certain website, uh, for me, it, it'll give me, it'll show me that I'm a state national. It's keeping that, the regist- a registry that's in California is posting this up until each state has a registry for their republic people. They don't have a, most states don't have a registry of recording of who's national in that state. 
So this this company is doing it for you, and they happen to be the government of the post office, the general post office. So they don't worry about it going anywhere. But the point, the problem is that they are a a quasi trust. They don't know who the letter who is the uh, in the office of the creditor because you moved over to the office of the debtor to pay the debt and you didn't tell them. So they don't know until you let them know. Hey, I'm at a position. Uh, you know, uh, a, a ecclesiastic depot, whatever it is to say that I'm a live individual, then you have to give it, let them know this, and and uh, and start getting your funds back. It follows uh, one of the rules. Please write this rule down: Publication twelve twelve, page seven. Publication twelve twelve, page seven. Nominees, IRS. Publication twelve twelve, page seven. It says they are a receiver of a debt instrument, a 1099 OID with their TIN number on it. On it, their TIN numbers on there, which is their EIN number for the corporation. They are considered and with someone else's of someone else's funds, so that someone else on a 1099 OID, you or your estate is the payer, and they are the recipient. That's the first stage of what happens. They are the nominee. They we calling you the nominee. They are called nominees under that IRS uh, publication. They are the public uh, trust uh, trustees are the nominees here. Then it says you are to file another 1099 to each owner, each owner. So they drew money out of your state. They got a receipt on the OID showing that they got the money. Now they have to tell you, we got money out of your estate. How are they telling you that? Beverly, how, do you know how they're telling you that they got money out of your estate? Who, 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 who telling you? You're talking about the uh, the creditor? The, 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 I mean, the, the nominees. The, the nominees. Yeah, the how trustees, they, nominees. Isn't they sending you a bill, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's a check. It has a routing number and account number. They're telling you, we have these funds out of your state. What do you want us to do? And what would you need to say? I approve it or accept it and release the funds. So who are they going to release it to? Well, what does the second part of that publication 1212 says? that they are to give it back to the owner. But who's the owner? Who? When did you tell them that you're the owner? How do they know what the office of the creditor and who's the occupant of the office of the creditor? They don't know. Let them know. Send them a letter. So they will start giving you a check. They say you must file another 1099 OID to the to each owner, each owner, and you are the and you are the payer, and they are the recipient. That's pretty simple. They're giving you an OID. This is what I keep saying. I got forms, uh, documents, and it's in all all the forms that you order from them. OID form, the general instructions. The uh, uh, how to report the OID. All of these forms are saying that they're going to give you the OID. The bank is supposed to give you the OID 
but you must tell them that you are the owner, that you are the creditor. If you don't do that, then they don't you don't get it. That's the only, that's the bottom line why you're not getting paid back. Tell them that you're the owner, you're the creditor. So that's that's another law, publication twelve twelve, IRS publication twelve twelve, page seven. Read it, understand it. So there's some things missing. There's some things that, as a matter of fact, so, if you go to scribe uh, under rice tech, I got a puzzle there. There's something missing out of that. There, it's, it's telling you what they're supposed to do, but there's some things that you need to do. You need to do some of the things that's in there because once they give you a coupon and you give the coupon back to them under what? It's a bill, and it's got credit. Bill of credit. Look up the term in Black's Law. What is a bill of credit? A bill of credit is money. It's a security. Give it back to them. Give Caesar what Caesar. It came from them. Give it back to them. But add the numbers and the names on there. Some words in writing. UCC 3-115. They're sending you a blank incomplete document. Fill it in properly by putting the numbers and the words on it. And give it back to them. But you must accompany... What's the UCC again? What was that? That UCC 3-115. Incomplete document. I'm pretty sure it's incomplete document. And it says you must fill in the words and the numbers. But, But again, who is the owner? A 1099A, which should accompany them. You're telling the IRS because you're giving them a P copy, you keep a carbon, and they're getting another carbon. Where it says lender, you put your name there. Where it says borrower, you put their name on it. Now they know who the lender is. But I don't want to do that on every single month, every single, you know, document that I get, that I receive, every coupon that I get as an offer. It's all an offer. But I don't want to keep doing that. So I suggest you let them know up front. Send them a letter up front. Notice. I'm giving you notice. Here's a 1099A, whatever, stating that from now on, anything you send me, I am the creditor. And see what the results will be. See what you're going to get in results. So that's another law that I have. Now, what happened Um, when, okay, Mr. Rice, what happened when they don't cooperate? Because you send them the letter, and then they send you a letter and tell you that you're not the credit. They are it. And then you got some people that don't even respond to you at all. So then some people is like, well, what do I do next? Okay, again, one of the things that they're doing, and this is something that you really seriously need to understand, they took money from your estate because they can't give you a coupon unless they took money from your estate. And there were no taxes paid on it. Oh, my God. It's a tax issue. By them not giving you these things, you're telling the IRS with uh, a form, IRS got form 13909, which says they're trying to say that they're tax exempt. They're not tax exempt. They're corporations. They're supposed to pay taxes. They didn't pay. They have a 3949A. I call it a tattletale. I'm telling that you are making me a tax delinquent because you will not give me what I requested. That's how you get on them. No one can get around the IRS. 
No one. They took the funds out of your estate. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pay taxes. They normally do it with a 1099-C, and they're canceling it where they don't pay it, and they're trying to turn it over to you. I know some people probably got one when they're dealing with mortgages after they lost their house. They get a 1099-C. But look who's the, who's the lender on there. They are. They're not the lender. They never were the lender. They got it out of your estate. You just don't know. You're paying ignorance. So, well, we're hoping that you'll be coming educated right now. Understand what's going on. They are debtors so what in about, possession. So what about, just say they sent you a letter saying that, you know, that they don't owe you, that they the, they the creditor, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so then what about if you file your 1099 and you put a copy of that letter in there and send that to the IRS, like, hey, you tried to get the OID from them and they wouldn't give it to you. I heard people who got paid doing that. But there's something else I just told you earlier that you need to know another company you need to look at. What did I talk about Mm -hmm. when it comes down to them being debtors in possession? Where are they filed under as debtors in possession? Where are they filed at? The Department of Commerce? No, Department of Justice. Department of Justice. Okay. If you read that document, you'll find that all these debtors in possession must answer first to the bankruptcy court, and then for the bankruptcy court, they must answer to what's called a U.S. trustee, and the U.S. trustee must be reported to the Department of Justice. There you go. They have to give reports uh, to these people every single day, every single month. They're giving them reports to these folks. So So they don't do what they're supposed to do. Chapter 11 guidelines. Guidelines. Okay. They answer. They got somebody they got to answer to, too. So you could tell them, you, you deal with the tax issue. That's how I got the guys out of jail. They made it a tax issue, 1099 LTC, long-term care. they taking care of you. I mean, I think they might have made it for senior citizens, people who had their seniors in uh, uh, nursing homes. But what, what are they doing in, in jail? You're supposed to be talking to the warden. He's taking care of you. He's taking money. He's also a nominee taking funds out of your estate to take care of you. So he can buy you those striped outfits or whatever clothing that you have to wear. Because you're nothing but a piece of property. You're chattel. You're in jail. You're property. You're two-dimensional. You are nothing more than a birth certificate. They cannot deal with three-dimensional people. People, stop being three-dimensional. Come on up. Stand up. Say, look, wait a minute. I still have to file my taxes. Make your wife, your family, somebody the power attorney to file your taxes and and have them request that 1099 LTC. Long-term care. Get your butt out of jail. Well, no, it won't get you out of jail. It will get you paid. And I guarantee that once they see they're not going to get any money, they will kick you out of jail. That that may be embarrassed to get kicked out of jail. But that's what they did to those guys. Get out. Get out. And he said they were getting paid for every day they were in jail. They were getting paid for it. Get the hell out, and then they had to pay those people who they got kicked that got kicked out. I mean, I'm going to tell you what they told me, okay? And they hung up and hear from them again for months. So they wanted something else. So he wanted something else. I'm like, okay. But anyway, 
make it a tax issue if it's a problem, then go to their and then know who their boss is here. This is why I'm giving you what their rules, how they're supposed to operate. Let's look at their laws and their rules. Their debt is in possession. They have to answer to somebody. If they don't answer, they will shut them down. Last but not least, if they took money out of your, a lot of people say they made payments and they send them a letter back saying, we're not accepting your payment, but they did not send the instrument back to you. Please get this law. Statues at large, volume 13, page 99 through 118. And look at page 100. It talks about the controller of currency, who he is, what he does, every transaction that a bank does, he is the middleman. He's in the middleman before it gets to the treasurer. And when the treasurer sends something to the bank, he's the middleman. So if you gave them some instrument and they sit there and say, oh, we're not going to accept this instrument, which is wrong in itself, and I'm going to tell you in a minute why, but if they don't accept the instrument, well, there may be a record. If you know what you what, if you registered it to that person and you contact the controller of currency, I believe it's uh, well, page 100 tells you what his position is. But later on in there, I think like 114, 112, it talks about how to file a complaint with the controller of currency, and he will contact. He will get someone who will research that institution, institution. And if there's any foul play, he will put it in bankruptcy. He will bank, he will really close it down. There's another one. So we're talking about the controller of currency. For all you folks that, well, I submitted something in there. They didn't give it to me. They didn't give it back to me. And, you know, but, again, only after you have let them know who you are. I'm surprised that they didn't send some of y'all some lollipops. Because you are a child. I got a 104-year-old grandmother sitting in the next room. She's still a child. Because she never told them that she's at the age of majority. They don't have to respond back to children. You better let them know that you are a creditor. You are a national. And we are nationals. How do we know that? Number rule here, 12. Let's put that in. 12 U.S.C. 411. 12 U.S.C. 411. It talks about promissory notes, uh, obligations of the United States. And it's to be used and given to different people for no other purpose. But who are the three? They list three groups of people that Federal Reserve notes are given to. The first one is all nationals. Read it. 411, all nationals and member banks and Federal Reserve Bank. Now, I know I'm not a member bank. I know you are not a Federal Reserve Bank, but I do know everybody can possibly, hopefully, you can reach in your pocket and pull out a Federal Reserve note. So what makes you? What means what are the three categories? All national, member banks, and Federal Reserve, that must mean you are national, all nationals. I don't care, state national, American national, Indian national. It don't matter. You are a national. You hold a, what they call, dual citizenship. When you were born and the doctor said you was alive at the hospital and he filed a birth record, 
you had to be a national. It wasn't until they created the birth certificate, the, the date at the bottom of the birth certificate, and the registered type signed it. He's an officer in probate. He signed it. Birth certificate was created. They made you dead. But the date at the top of your birth, born, you were born, born and birth is not the same. You were born at one date, but you were birthed down at the bottom. What were you in the middle? A national. The state must take care of you. That's why they got child protection laws for the child. They have to protect the child. You are native of the state. They have to take care of you. I heard a situation the other day where the, the mother wasn't going to give the child the birth certificate, wasn't going to sign the birth certificate. They were about to throw her in jail. The mother of the, the lady who had the baby went down there and got the baby out of the hospital. They never filed it. I'm sorry, mothers. You are considered informants. Look at the birth certificate. You are tattletales. You are informed. You turn your child over to the state to be a slave. A U.S. citizen. I'm sorry, mothers. I don't mean to say that. I love my mother. Your life. I love them. But that's what you did. Read the birth certificate. Your married name, the name that has your married name on it, says informant. Read it. Informant. Look up what informant is, especially under the police. Character. Who's your informant? You know, that's the, the man that stands in the alley and wait for the cop to come so he can Squeal on somebody. You're a squealer. You're informed. You turn someone in. I'm not. I, I don't want to get. I don't want people to leave the show because I'm telling you what they are making you. You're informant, and you're a bastard. It says mother, father. It don't say nothing about husband and wife on your birth certificate. Look at it. Anyone got a birth certificate that says, you know, father, mother? I mean, a, a husband and wife. If they're not married, then you're a bastard. And the state says, oh, we must take care of these bastard children. Someone, they've been abandoned. We must take care of them. A little history, a little bit of history here. Let's get to some more laws here. Again, read that, volume 13, page 99, and the statutes at large through 118. Those, those 20 pages tell you all about how the banking system works. Where it says bond, replace the word bond with checks. Where it says association, replace association with bank. And maybe now you can understand the wording and the reading a little bit easier. I call it, you know, association, using, turning things, turn the words around so you can understand who is playing what. Where it says association, replace it with bank. Where it says bond, put the word check. That might help you understand that code, those codes. Statutes at large means it came straight from Congress. Congress wrote it up. They call them slip laws, and then it went into the statutes. It used to be on paperback called slip laws, but then those slip laws were converted into statutes at large and put in manuals. Okay, uh, another one you got to look at, and I know you heard it so many times before, HJR 192, or again, I like the statutes because they keep telling you house joint resolutions could be, uh, what, reversed or dropped. But so statutes at large cannot be dropped. They could be amended, but they cannot be dropped. And the, for the ACR 192 is volume 48, pages 112, 113. 
the reason I like you to read that one, and I and when I'm I'm telling these laws, I want you to download them. I want you to have them and put them in a loose leaf binder. Because if you call me up and I have to refer to any of these rules and laws, I will ask for them. If you don't have them, then I'm going to tell you where well, you need to go back and listen to this date, this recording. Because I'm giving you the laws that I'm going to possibly be using that I keep doing over and over again. So when you come to me, we're going to be at the, on the same level. We're looking at the same level. So you need to download these laws and read them. Highlight whatever. If you got questions about the law, great. And we go to law, read it, and you tell me what's the problem that you don't understand. Because I know this is not written for everyone to understand. But this is what they are using against you. This is how you can beat them. You have to understand how the enemy works if you want to beat them in their own game. So, but why am I wanting to use the HJR 192 or, or 48, Statutes at Large, Volume 48, page 112, 113? Well, on the top of page 113, it says, all coins and securities, and then it says, including Federal Reserve notes. But you must look at that. Federal Reserve note is in parentheses. All coins and currencies, comma, parentheses, I'm sorry, parentheses, including Federal Reserve note. That means it doesn't really exist. You can yank it out of the sentence, and it doesn't take away from the sentence grammar. Federal Reserve notes was never never initially supposed to be used to pay off debt. That's why they came up with 411 that we read earlier. They had to actually make a separate law for Federal Reserve, excuse me, Federal Reserve notes to let you know that you can use them to pay off debts. But it wasn't originally set up when they changed or when they came up with the HDR 192. It was never originally set up for that. But it was all coins and currencies including Federal Reserve notes, that's in parentheses. And please understand, this is so important that they took the word parentheses out of Black's Law on the sixth edition all the way up to the new edition. But the early edition, that's why you need a fourth edition, fifth edition, where it got parentheses in there. They took it out. That's what they do when they don't want you to, when they see someone's pointing it out to you. I'm pointing, been pointing it out to you. They're taking it out the books. So anyway, for it's called a four-corner rule. Anything in four corners don't really exist. It's a suggestion. And you can you don't have to do it the way it suggests. You can remove it, and it still says all coins and currencies can pay public debts, basically. I'm summarizing the end. Take it out, because they talk about uh, uh, circulating notes, Federal Reserve notes, uh, bank notes, you know, they got a whole lot. All these are in parentheses. They don't, they they don't really supposed to be there. They're not really essentially the most important way of paying your debts off. Your debts can be paid with currency, because they took the coins out. There's no gold coins. There's no silver coins. The coins are taken out. So what is currency? That's how you can pay your debt. Promissory notes, money orders. Whatever is used currently, that is considered currency. You know, bill of credit. Bill of credit. 
Letter of credit. That comes from another bank. That's one bank given to another bank. Letter of credit. That's what you why you need to have a bank. You need to get a bank. You need to be a bank. Open up an account at the Treasury Direct as a bank. That's a whole nother story, maybe for another show. But the point is that you all need to understand what you need to be doing and what you can make payments with. Quit with this Federal Reserve notes. I remember someone in court told what well, you know, the judge, Mr. Rice, you need to pay. No, Federal Reserve, you can't. This is public policy. Your public policy says you can use any species that you want to use. You cannot tell me what to pay it with. You got a question about that? Then make sure, you know, make sure, Clark, you put that on the on his on the document that you make sure you get a recording what she just said. But how I can only pay it with Federal Reserve notes. No, they cannot tell you that. If you keep listening to the show and what we say, you will not be using Federal Reserve notes. You will use what they gave you. What did they give you? They gave you some kind of uh, obligation. This is the next rule, 18, UFC 8. This is the Bible of what you'll be using, 18, UFC 8. Obligations and securities of the United States. This is what you can use in that list. And down there at the bottom, cancel stamps was added a few years later. A cancel stamp. I get, and let me give you application. See, I'm giving you information. Let me give you application. A lot of folks don't do that. Someone sends you a letter saying, hey, you owe me this money, but they didn't give you the remedy. They're supposed to give you that coupon. The remedy is the coupon or the bill, but they didn't give it. They just gave you a letter. Well, thanks to the last entry of 18 USC, a cancel stamp. Put a cancel stamp, a two-cent stamp down there and autograph it. Autograph is not signature. For those who don't know, I suggest you look what autograph means. Autograph is not the same as a signature. Autograph. Authorized representative, they start with AL, AU, I'm sorry, AU, and AU is on the periodic table for gold. Look at Canada. I know everyone can get chemistry here, so we're getting a little education in chemistry. Look at the periodic table. AU is a symbol for gold. So your autograph is worth gold, okay? And it's a fossil stamp. A stamp is worth gold. A postal dollar postal money order. I got there's a book by Charles Booker. Write this down. Chain to the sky. Chain to the sky. Charles Booker. Um, this charges that through use of postal money order. One dollar money order can pay off any debt, folks. One dollar stamp could pay off any debt. Giving them what they gave you would pay off the debt. Why? This comes to a definition here. Everything they give you, please understand, everything they give you is an offer. Everything they give you is an offer. And Beverly, she's a Beverly, you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. And we had we used that example earlier. Beverly, 
I want to buy your car. How much you want to sell your car to me? $2,000. Okay. Beverly gave me an offer, $2,000. An offer. And I said, well, Beverly, um, I don't have $2,000. I want to, I want to get it for 1000 I, I want to buy I'll give you 1000 What is Beverly options here now? What is their option? So they gave you offer. You gave them a counter offer. What is their option that they have now that you gave them a counter offer? What would be your your choices, Beverly? To accept it or not to accept it. Okay. So that means she could accept a thousand dollars, or if someone gave me a bill and I put a dollar stamp on there, they have to either accept it or what would be the second choice? Beverly, I don't know. The choice. I, I don't know. What's the, I mean, well, if I don't want, if you, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. Tell us. No, the second choice is you, you said. If you don't want it, if you're not going to accept it, then the deal, the whole offer is, is shut down. It's, it's void. Gone. It's void. It's, it's right. void. Okay. Whatever they offered you, if they either they accept it or it's void. It's void. That means it doesn't exist anymore. They can't sit there and come in. Now, they can give you another offer. Now, everybody can say, oh, well, wait a minute. How about $1,500? You know, you know mm-hmm. she can counter-offer it, you know? And I still can say, well, I'm still giving you a stamp. I'm giving them something of value now. I'm not saying toilet paper, but I'm giving them a stamp. It's backed by gold. So we got a counter-offer. It must be have some some substance behind it. You know, our autograph in itself is gold. So you signing it makes it valuable. But nonetheless, it's an offer, and you gave them a counter offer. They have to accept it. Why do you not see under international law now, international law for those people, UCC 3-603, tendering payment. That's another one, UCC 3 I gotta write these down. UCC three dash six oh three. Tendering payment. And it says even if it's rejected, there is discharge. I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't I that's that's international law. That law was there long before I was born. UCC three it's kind of funny because I say it was older than me, but my 104 grandmother was born in 1915, so it was before she, it was after she was born. Mm-hmm. But the point is, then, okay. it, it it's rejected. It's already been discharged. People, if you give them an offer and the offer is written up right, if it shows it's a negotiable instrument, you need to look up the negotiable instruments and how to put that dollar stamp on there or how to submit in that dollar money order or how to take that coupon and convert it into, a lot of people say A for V's, but I hear those things ain't working too well. So bill of credit is a bill and it's credit. Let's make sense out of it. Why go way out on a limb where it's, you're just stating what it is? And down in the lower left-hand corner, under note says release the credit. Because they gave you the coupon to tell you 
We have these funds. What do you want us to do with it? Release it and send it to the owner, the creditor. They still have to send it. They will send it. They have to return it to the principal. It has to go back. Someone takes something out of your account, believe me, it has to go back to that account one way or another. Now, if they gave it to you with a, through an OID, if they use publication 1212, then you're going to have to return it back and set it. It's called set off. There's a difference between discharges on the public side, set off is on the private side. You're going to have to send that dollar stamp and a copy of that coupon or get the original Give them a copy. CFO gets a copy. The treasurer will be getting a dollar stamp and send it to the treasurer to have it set off. Give him a form 56. Of course, you got to let him know that you are the creditor and that you want him to handle this account. You know, on that form 56, that he is to handle this account. But anyway, how I don't. Now, what about what about what about people that have student loans, and so they can do the same thing? You know, they had these ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars student loans here. They can do the same thing. Yeah, the the process doesn't. I mean, the, the principle I'm giving you doesn't change. Ask for the application. Ask for the promissory note or whatever the debt is that you originally signed. Just tell them I want a certified copy of it. They cashed it in. How do you know that? It's under their rules as being banks. Under what? I told you, Statutes at Large, 13, page, uh, volume 13, page 99 through 118. It tells you they take it and they deposit They send it over to the treasurer who puts it in a trust. So it's put in a trust at the treasury, and then they get what's called circulating notes, which are nothing more than blank Federal Reserve notes. Give it to the Federal Reserve Bank, they throw their stamp on it, and then they give it to the bank that requested the uh, application that put it in. They have to fill the application out. That's under Rule 12, USC 412. Right after 411, then you may want to put 12, USC 412. Collateral required. What's collateral? Notes, checks, bill of exchange. That's whatever have your autograph on it. Whatever your autograph is, the collateral that they need to submit to the treasurer so the treasurer will send them out what they call circulating notes or blank Federal Reserve notes. It sends out to them. To the bank. Give them to the bank. So anyway, so, 12 U.S.C. 412 application. Took me two weeks, but I found it. It's called Operating Circular Number 10. Operating Circular Number 10 is the application. And even then, the banks or Federal Reserve Banks is requesting. Now, this is the Federal Reserve Bank requesting it. The member banks give the Federal Reserve Bank your application. The Federal Reserve Bank has to fill out an application themselves attaching your collateral, your autograph, to send it to the treasurer. So they become, they are now the debtors. It's called rehypothecating. Yes. Right. 
Now go through that that again. Now you say it's the operator circular what? Operating circular number ten is an application oh, that the Federal Reserve oh, okay. Bank must fill out after they get the, the your your application that you filled out at the member bank that for the loan. They have to mm-hmm. attach that to the application. Who's writing the application? The Federal Reserve Bank. The Federal Reserve Bank is giving it, is passing that over to the treasurer, who in turn sends you circulating notes. And I'm generalizing it right now. They send mm-hmm. called circulating notes. And then they send those notes to the Federal Reserve Bank that fill out the application. And they put their stamp. Remember, there's 12 Federal Reserve Banks. So they have to put their individual stamps on that money that was requested. And then they give it to the member's bank, who in turn try to tell you that, hey, we loaned you money. But they didn't loan you. They loaned you money. That's called a financial transaction. Every single financial transaction is supposed to be reported to the IRS for taxes. Did anybody get a receipt at the end of the year? of your promissory note for your house? Did anyone get a receipt for your student loan? You know, you didn't get nothing. So the IRS don't know about it. They know money was taken out, but then they know, they see you as being the one that took it out. Because your name was on because, the 1099A. They had to fill out an A first before they got an OID. You can't get an OID unless an A go first. Okay? I'm just letting people know that. I have a diagram so what, inscribed. Go ahead. So what they're doing is that they're going in and taking the money out of your account, but they're acting like, it's, like they are you. So that's say that you. I go to your bank. And I go in there and I act like I'm you, and I'm taking your money. Is that that is that how they doing it? They saying that they the creditors. Yeah, yeah, and and in essence, they go they go and they fill out ten ninety nine a. The the lender would be the Federal Reserve Bank, and that and that um, you your estate would be the borrower, and so it's like they filling out for you. They get the money out. And then they have an OID, which we saw in publication 1212, where they are stating that they are now the receiver and you are the payer. So they, at first they had to make them uh, either the treasurer or the Federal Reserve Bank. I don't know. It, matters, it depends on what you're asking for. It's, give, it's loaning the money or giving them the money and under your name. And then they found an OID where they've taken it from your estate and given it to them. Now, when they get it, then they have to let you know with a coupon. But what I want to point out is that if let's say I go in the bank and I rob a bank, the cameras show me robbing the bank, and that's what happened with the 1099A. It shows me as the one robbing the bank. It don't show the bank. But when I step out of the bank, the bank comes and they steal the money out of me. No one's witnessing it. There's no cameras. So the only person they see is you borrowing, taking the money out of the bank on camera. That's why the IRS comes after you and not after them. They stole it from you. When you walked out of the bank, they stole it from you. But there's nothing showing that. All they see is what was taken out of your account, you taking up. 
they can't take money out of your account. They have to use your name. The state allows them to use your name and Social Security to withdraw money out of their bank account. And then when it comes out the bank, then they're taking it from you. That's why you get taxed for something that somebody else did, and you don't even know it. You being taxed for something so, that somebody else did. And so, okay, so that was. And so, go ahead. And so, and so they could say that, you know, we set this up. We you wasn't a part of it. We set it up. So why do you deserve something that we set up in your name? And so even though we didn't have any participation in setting it up, they couldn't have got what the out of it without using our name. So we do have um, tight. We are entitled. To, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we signed a contract, they couldn't do it without us signing a contract in the first place. When you go for your utilities, you sign a contract. When you do your student loan, yeah. you sign a contract. Everything. So you gave them permission to do it, but not just honestly, because they didn't give you a receipt. No one got a receipt for what they took out. No one. See, if they were, if they gave me a receipt for it, then I could file it on my taxes. And since I'm tax exempt and it came out of my estate, I don't have to pay taxes, people. You are tax exempt because it's coming out of your estate. That's why you use your social without the dashes. That's your tax exemption number. Why would I pay taxes on what came out of my pocket? You don't even do that when you refinance your house and it's called an equitable loan. Equity, an equitable loan is what you've already put in it. You don't pay taxes on what you've already put in. That's yours. It's tax-free. When you refinance a loan and it's equitable, it's from your equity, you don't pay taxes from it. So if you don't pay it from there on the public side, you know you shouldn't be paying it on the private side. Y'all paying taxes for something you're not supposed to. Go ahead, Carla. Okay. Uh... Area code 513-295. Um, how you doing? Um, great. Hey, how are you? I'm well. I am just uh, calling in, and I w- I'm glad that you guys picked me. I wanted to just say uh, in regards to what you were saying, Myron, th- because I have a situation that I'm still in, if you will, still trying to figure this all out. Um but um, that's absolutely right. Like I said, I was able to receive the 1098 from the initial bank that showed that they had paid the initial loan. And, again, their address had kept showing up on um, an Equifax report, and I couldn't understand it. And when I realized that that's what they had did, they had uh, went in and applied something, you know, for my name and received it, much like Myron is saying. I just can't – I couldn't really put it all together. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense because, again, they did send me the 1098, which shows that the loan was paid off, there's no principal, um, and it's at a zero principal. However, um, that address kept showing up on my Equifax and TransUnion as though I had lived there, and that was the uh, company that I had went in and did the loan with, if you will. So um, still trying to, like I said, learn about it because it's, for me, it is so complicated, but at the end of the day, uh, you're absolutely right. So I digress, and that's all I wanted to add to it. Okay, and let Thanks, me tell you Carl. why. 
And when one of the things that I found out that they can do, if I pay off a loan, let's say you have a mortgage, you paid off your mortgage, you paid off the promissory note. Well, remember that promissory note was an IOU. So if I gave someone an IOU and I paid it off, why don't I get my IOU back? Why aren't they giving me my promissory note back after it's been paid off? Matter of fact, I know people, rich people anyway, when they make their last payment, they call to come to the bank. I will give you the last payment. I want you to give me my promissory note back at the same time. That's the exchange we're going to do on my last payment on my home. I will give you the last payment. In exchange, you give me my promissory note. That's the way you're supposed to be operating. Otherwise, if they have that note, someone else can sit there and collect money off of you because the note is still out there. But if you have a note in your possession, that's a check. You can file it on your taxes and get all your money back. Think about it. Everything you paid on that house, if you get the promissory note back on the exchange, here's my last check, give me my promissory note, you'll be able to get your whole payment back. In other words, you didn't pay nothing for that house, zero, negative, nothing, nothing, if you got the promissory note and then you file it in on your taxes. You got to understand it. You did a deal with them because you said it was a loan. That means there was an IOU out there. Well, did you ask for the IOU back? Because once you got the IOU back, then they can't do anything anymore. It's shut down. That estate is shut down. Remember, I told you, every contract has property. That IOU is property. You ask for that property back, it shuts down the contract. It shuts down the contract. So I'm just I'm just adding something that I feel that needs to be done because no one's doing it. People have paid off their house. And they still lose it when you should have been asking for all that money that your house was worth. Can you imagine you had a $250,000 home and you paid it off? You were going to get a check for $250,000 from the IRS because everything has been prepaid dollar for dollar. That's what HDR 192 so says. All liabilities will be prepaid. Usually yes. when you pay a house off with the interest and stuff, you usually play two to three times more of what the initial price is. So do they give you all what you paid all the when you add up the interest, or you just get the principal of what the houses were? Well, let's put it like that. Once you shut it down, because every time you make a payment on a house, I don't care what it is, mm-hmm. it goes into what's mm-hmm. called a demand account. They cannot cash that money in. They use collateral as well. I'm telling you how to use collateral to make private money and the public money. They do the same thing. They take your after your promissory note. That's the first payment that they open up called a demand account. And every time you make a payment, it's going into that demand account, and then they get another line of credit on everything you have so they can pay the investors. They have to convert what you gave them because they, their name isn't on the contract. They never sign a contract, so they can't cash the check. All they can do is deposit into the account, ask for a line of credit, get checks off of it, and then mail it out to the investors. 
That's what they do. So I'm just I, I like to do what they're doing. If that's what they do to make public, private money in the public, then I would do the same thing. Why, why don't you can do what they're doing? In the meanwhile, if I shut that down, if I take that commissary note and they have to shut that whole, that whole thing down, then all that interest and all those payments that you made, interest and above, that has to be given back to you. That has to be given back to you. They can't keep it. They don't have a trust to keep it in anymore. The account has been shut down. The promissory note that you get shut the account down. So anything that's in there would also have to be given to you. Just just want to make a, you know, let you know what. So all that stuff you're talking about, if there's nothing for them to keep it in, then they have to return it back to the principal. Thank you, caller. Let me get Thank some more laws because we running. Yeah, we running way over here. Let me get some more laws. Okay. Also, there's the Security Act again, Security Act of 1933, Section 11 talks about what well, Section Number One talks about. Can define what securities is, but Section 11 talks about <clears throat> how you can sue them, who you sue, because they didn't give you full disclosure. So the Security Act of 1933 was done May the 26th of 1933, Section 11, you need to understand. Also, I want us to have, have in your hand the Constitution of the United States, Article 1, Section 10. That has a lot of things in there that may help you to understand. The only way you can make a payment is with gold and silver. Payment, that word is very important because I do believe if you look at your coupon, it only says, it says make a payment. Now, you don't actually have gold and silver, but you have a autograph, an authorized representative, AU, get it? They're not asking for a check. They're not asking for a money order. They're not asking for those things. It says a payment. The payment is what? Your autograph. Okay. So that, that so kind of helps. You, uh, you can't just stop paying them. You got to continue, like your utility bills, continue to pay them until, you know, your process kick in because they'll shut you, turn the lights out and the heat off. Yeah, only because, again, people who renting out apartment buildings, people who pay monthly payments, there's ways you could modify the contract where they will pay it for you. However, if you feel you have a problem with that, then consolidate all your payments with one bank, and at the end of the year, you will address that one bank. You will tell that bank, I am the creditor, and I want my OID for all the checks that I wrote out of this bank. I want an OID for it. So now you get your money back at the end of the year. The utility companies don't know nothing about it. The uh, uh, the, the, the the rental unit that you rent your apartment, they don't know nothing about what you do with your bank. They just got to pay they they, they just got their, their their money from you. Your check. Make sure you put it where it is a recording of what you paid. And the bank always give you a statement at the end of the month. So all of that, so anything you paid out this year, you can get it back at the end of the year if you 
tell the bank who you are and you expecting the OID. Otherwise, you would cause me to be tax a taxpayer delinquent, a fugitive. You want me to be a taxpayer fugitive? I better report you to the the uh, uh, F the 3949A. It's a secret service and the CID Criminal Investigation Division. I report you to 13909. You have funds. You took funds out of my account and you have not paid taxes on it. You are not exempt. I am tax exempt because it came out of my estate. I am tax exempt. You are not tax exempt. So use taxes on what you're doing. That way they won't come after me. But they will come after you. So that's for people who make payments out of their utilities and all that other and, and, and rent. Some people don't own homes. Some people live in apartment buildings. Just make sure you, you know, pay them somewhere where you have a record of it. If you use a receipt, I believe it's called a 1047, where receipts could be reported at the end of the year, and you'll get that back as well. 1047, another tax one. We won't get into that now. Okay, also, some things I want to mention in, um, oh, <laughs> A lady gave me a, she gave me a call. A friend of mine called me earlier, and you know she got a letter back saying, "Oh, we we're not going to accept this," uh, and never gave a reason why. I recommend just like they put the word frivolous across the IRS, you put frivolous on something. There's a term here that you need to use. And let me share. Let me get the definition. It's called gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. That's actually a legal term. And wow, go. I thought that was slang. Oh, it's actually a legal term. And let me get the proper definition. You can look it up. Oh, my gosh, I thought I had it here. Ready and available. <laughs> but it's spelled, for those who know, G-O-B-B-L-E-D-Y-G-O-O-K. Again. G O B B L E D Y G O O K Gobbledygook. Oh man, where was that? It's my gobbledygook. Basically, it's saying that you have you you've been given some un an unintelligible words and terms that someone tried to use legal legal words to do it with. But they made it sound like it, it's unintelligible. They didn't explain it to, to you where you can understand what they're talking about. They didn't give you a reason why they're telling you that they're not going, oh, gobbledygook, here it is. Language that is meaningless or is made unintelligible by excessive use of technical terms, or I would say legal terms, from lawyers and attorneys. Gobbledygook. Language that is meaningless or or is made unintelligible by excessive use of technical terms. So you get something back from somebody and that stuff and it ain't it didn't give you what you asked for. Put gobbledygook across it and send it back to them. <laughs> but like, like like the IRS would say frivolous. You say gobbledygook and send it back to them. That's a response. It's a legal term. It's a term that you can use. Okay, um, there, there's a Latin word here called V as in Victor, period, C, period. V as in Victor, 
period. C as in Charles, period. It means under duress. So you getting a ticket. I know in Georgia down there they make you sign the ticket. Then you could put V period, C period and, and in front of your name. So he's saying that you did it under duress. It's Latin for under duress. Okay, another term that I use, I have, on, I have a license place that says sojourner. Sojourner, travel is kind of like they're under their commercial term. Sojourner just means you're traveling, you're moving on, on a common way. The street is considered a common way, not a public road, whatever, a common way. So you sojourner on, and sojourning on a common way, something you let them know. You, what comes out of your mouth tells you a lot about who you are, okay? Um, also, I need you all to have, download the uh, IRS uh, internal, I'm sorry, the I, I, internal revenue manual, internal revenue manual 6209, section 2, that deal with tax classes, because I know a lot of folks are talking about OIDs. And a W-2 is an OID, people. A W-2 is an OID. It's in the same tax class as a 1099, tax class 5. A individual tax form, the 1040, 1041, uh, tax class 2. Please ask your tax man, why are you filling a tax class 5 with a tax class 2 tax form? Just a simple question that he can contact the IRS because you got it out of the IR manual. Internal Revenue Manual is not the same as the Internal Revenue Service. The Internal Revenue Service is on the debtor side with the private bankers and uh, the IMF where the Internal Revenue is with the, the Treasury Department. It's on the on the, uh, um, the de jure group. It's a de jure, which is Republic. Okay, just want to put that in, throw that out there. Um, definitions, dealing, let's go into, I have, oh, in case you know, don't know, uh, go to scribe forward slash rice tech. I have several, oh, 52 documents that I saw last on this. I'm pretty old, years old. But I updated my OID manual, the OID diagram, because some of y'all don't want to read. So I put it in a nice picture form for you. <laughs> so maybe you can understand a nice flow chart that I have on how to do a 1099 OID. I got a nice flow chart that for you to see the pictures. If you got questions, at least you can say, well, Mr. Rice, I'm looking at your flow chart here, and you say this on that. that now, that's how I want us to communicate. I know you looked at it. I know you saw something and you got a question. That's how you supposed to be speaking. We speak to each other. You know? Because um, this is this is how I want to communicate from now on. I can't go back to what we did two and a half years ago and, and up to the beginning of the summer. No. Because I'm doing the same thing over again. I want you to show me that you looked at something and you read it. And you didn't understand it because I don't understand a lot of things that I read. I really don't. So sometimes I go to YouTube and type it in and see if someone else can explain it a little bit better. I get two or three different people's opinion on what I may not understand. That's how I do research. I don't have any 
special individual that I can say, oh, I get all my information from one man. I don't have that. I don't know it never did, never will. I had one man that got me involved in all of this stuff. But <laughs> other than that, Mr. John March, <laughs> I, you know, gone with him. You know, what he's saying, he's a history man. I'm trying to talk about how you can take care of debt today, how you can deal with today's situation. Okay? Um, whatever. Um, I, I mentioned that. I mentioned Minnesota Rule 220. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. that. Now we're mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. I just went through all the rules um, that I have. Oh, so there's another one. one. The the Bankruptcy Act of 1978. The Bankruptcy Act of 1978. And there's a couple of terms that you need to know. Two of them. One is insolvent. That means they're bankrupt. The other one is underneath it is insider. So you got uh, actually, uh, yeah, insider first and then insolvent. Those two, insolvent, is someone who's bankrupt. I can't pay a debt, Your Honor, because my estate is bankrupt. However, I am a, I am an assignee. I mean, I work for the assignor as an insider. An insider is someone who controls the debtor. Look up the term. This is under the bankruptcy act of 1978. An insider is someone who is controlling the debtor who's in control of a debtor. And another way you can make that insider is filing a non-UCC. I don't know about, because I'm private. I don't do no UCC. I'm private. A non-UCC where I have a bank as a secure party creditor. We want to have that in the paperwork, a secure party creditor. Patrick Devine has a very good example of of how to do a two-page that you can do as a secure party creditor, put an international stamp on there, and register it to yourself. That's all that's needed. The state cannot accept non-UCC because it's private. I guess that's about it. I gave you about These are something that I can – I'm pretty sure I'll be giving you some more later on, however – I think anyone, any so, questions now? We go ahead and do with questions if there's anything out there. Any questions? Okay, so you're saying, that these, you're saying that these laws and rules that you gave us, you want us to down, copy them, put them in a loop leaf folder. And so when we <clears throat> talk to you and we're talking about something, we refer, you know, to, to one of these um, rules here. Is that what you exactly. want to do? Yeah, well, it helps okay. for us to be a, If I okay. see that, oh, uh, that, that falls on the publication 1212. Uh, you got a copy of it in front of you? I need I need it. I gotta, I'm going to have to mute myself for a minute. I'll get right back with you, okay? Okay, all right. Give me, give okay. me and three so, minutes. Okay, I will. Go ahead. And so uh, those of you that have a question or a comment, you can call area code 323-642-1586. That's area code 323-642-1586. And push the number one, and I'll see that your hand is raised. So 
So if you're serious about, you know, getting out of this slavery that we are in, people keep talking about that we were in slavery back in the 1800s and all of that. We in slavery now. Once you really look at the system, once you look at how they set it up, I mean, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's slavery. And so, and it's, and it's a scam, and we are the main parts of it. So, you know, back, like I have heard through history, some of the people didn't want to get off the plantation. Some of them wanted to stay. They had so much fear. But this is for those that don't want to be in slavery. This is for those that want their entitlement, because you are entitled to uh, the credits that goes with this because they have done it in your name here. So, you know, that's what we here for. That's what the show is about, is to give you information, not just to sit here and get the information and do nothing with it. What they say, prayer without works is dead. And so that's what this. I mean, you get the information, but if you just hearing it and listening to it and not doing anything with it, it's just wasting time. Your time, everybody else's time, air time. So it's like you and and you should really be serious. And if you're not serious, you know, I just say, why are you wasting time? Maybe you just don't have nothing to do, and you just want to hear. Mr. Wright, are you back yet? Can Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can can you hear hear me? me? Okay. Yes. Right. I have some yes. people were talking to me. Okay. Yeah. And and the laws I gave the rules, the codes, they're, they're, they're like scratching the surface. Believe me, you know, we, if you've been listening to me in the last couple of years, you know, we got a lot more rules and laws and codes and whatever mm-hmm. to use. And again, I'm trying to simplify it on what they got to do. If I, if we know what they have to do, that might help you to know what you need to do. And our biggest situation that we must that most of us run into is enforcement. How, what if they do? Yeah. What if they do? Well, this is what we're doing. We're giving you the statutes which come from Congress that you might be able to go up the ladder to the, the next person. Quit talking to clerks. Quit talking to people who are not bonded. Because if they're not bonded, then you can't put a lien on them. And they know that. So they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. Excuse me, are you bonded? No, well, you don't make enough money for me to talk to you. Could you send me to your supervisor? It's bonded. Make sure that you talk. Again, UCC 3-603 says make sure you give it to the person who has the authorization to deal with it. Not any old body, because these are corporations. These corporations do not have to follow the Constitution and some of these codes and laws, but they do. The CEO and the CFO that runs them must follow the Constitution. They, that's what they took their oath for. The clerk didn't take an oath on the Constitution, but we do know the CEO and the CFO will do it, and they can be penalized. They could be put liens on. They have bonds. You can put a lien on their bonds. And I'm pretty sure some of them don't even want you to report anything on their bond because it messes the bonding company will say, wait a minute, you sound like you might be at risk. That's like if you get in a car accident, all of a sudden 
They look at you like you're a criminal. You you haven't been in an accident in 10 years, but you get in one accident, they, they act like you're public enemy number one. They're ready to kick you off. They don't want stuff reported on their bonds. Or people, lawyers and attorneys, they have an ethic board, ethics board in every state. If, they, if this man don't sound like he's doing right, contact the ethics board and say, I don't think he's following the rules. Any questions out there? Beverly, we got any calls? No, I don't have anybody with their hands raised. Remember, the number is 323-642-1586. And so just uh, push one if you have a question. This is the time to ask your questions. Or if you have a comment, you might have something that we need to know to add to uh, what we're talking about. And so you can uh, also... Push one and uh, tell us that too. Okay, we do have a hand raised. Five seven four three hundred. Hello, peace, peace, everybody. Peace, peace. Um, peace. peace. How you doing? I have a question. Excuse me. Apologies there. I have um. I caught this kind of late. Um, I'm at work trying to listen. And on the phone, um. Can you touch back on that um um, pri- um me, private secured or the private unsecured as it I think private unsecured um status uh to avoid um God, my brain is all over the place. It's something he said that I caught the tail end of where he said if you want to avoid all that, you should always be private. An unsecured, unsecured about, something like that. You talking about the non-UCC? That's it, non-UCC. That's it. Can you yeah, kind of the, the non-UCC. talk about that? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the same as a UCC one, except if you look at the bottom, there's a box that says non-UCC. You check that. You register it to yourself. Everything you redo. Uh, authenticating birth certificate, authenticating birth record, authenticating our name, anything we authenticating is, and we uh, put an affidavit on top of it, we have to sign yeah. it, notarize it, register it to ourselves because we are private. We are our own yeah. country. You, you your own yeah. body. There's a program on YouTube called Tax Precure. I don't, I never pay anything on any mailing that I do. That's why I have a problem. CCing it to really? any and everybody because it don't cost me a penny. No. You yeah. need to go to, it's called Tax Precure. You're supposed to file it. And it tells you in it, you are, a, your body is a country and, and your mind yeah. is the uh, the laws and the rules. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And you say it's on you. You're supposed to pay anything. I'm with mm-hmm. that. I believe that. I know in my heart that what you're saying is the truth. I, I I know that to be true, but it's like the um, you know the the mechanics of how to get there. It's like I don't know, hard to find. I don't know, but um, you say it's it's on YouTube, tax free country. Tax free cure. P A X E P A X E P E R C U E, and the, and the guy tells you how you you can mail for free and got pictures and everything. I, I mail for free. I even created, I created my own 
label, and it don't even say anything about no address or state or city. None of that stuff is in my address, but someone from uh, from Atlanta sent me a letter using my made-up address, and it came straight to my P.O. box. That's great. That's what I'm saying. I'm private. Your body needs changed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pay registered mail or certified mail. You put it in the mailbox. Please don't take it to the post office. Some people can, and some of them will recognize it. But once you put it in the mailbox, the the object is they they if you take it to the post office, then they know that this is the original place. But if I put it in the mailbox, they really don't know where it came from. So they can't say uh, that it's foreign. See, they have to know that the return address is foreign. So you don't, if you take it to them, they know we ain't foreign. You get, you bought it in the office. So we're not going to take, we're not going to separate. You got to pay us $18 for register, $8 for a certificate. Because we know we ain't foreign. We know where it originally came from. Right. But if you, a mailbox plan. is considered a court. Right. So stick it in any mailbox. Okay. But you better have a foreign address. That's that's one of the reasons you might want to, well, it's got United States on it. I was talking about earlier the crib number and the MIMS number. I think I mentioned that, Um, that you need to get uh, an official address, official business address uh, in the Republic. Through the post office, it's called uh, Bob Bob Ryder and, and YouTube talk about Gateway to the Republic, and it tell you how to get a crib number, which is a certified um, and customer registration ID, and a mail number, which is a mailer's ID. And with those, you will now have you an official business address. You know, you send some mails where they come officially. Great. A lot of people are distribution. They're distribution places, yeah. but the official business address. It is terrific. And I tell you, it worked for me. Last year, uh, beginning of the year, I didn't pay my P.O. box. And they like, oh, well. Mr. Ryder? Okay. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. I, can you hear me? I can hear you, but Blank was her Yeah, that's his computer. His computer just probably uh, oh. went down on him. Uh, when when I like yeah they do they do <laughs> thank you so much for this I need this oh my god okay and, and if I get him back on before we go off I'll hear uh, finish his conversation all right thank you you know he'll finish telling you and thank you uh, for all calling right. in all right I'm gonna get- Oh, okay, and so um, let me see. We only got 13 more minutes anyway. So uh, <clears throat> Mr. Rice is going to start coming on back on. Today is his first day of the new season, and so we will be here on Sundays. We will be here at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We just got started a little late today, uh, but uh, we will be on at
Okay, I was talking and you probably couldn't hear me. And so... Okay, so uh, I couldn't get Mr. Rice back. But as I was saying, we will be back on every Sunday. We'll be back on at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we was on a little late today, but uh, next Sunday and forward, it would be 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So I suggest this information you get it. Yeah, you might not get it the first time. I was like that. But you got to stay at it. And once I got out of trying to just get the the paperwork and copy what somebody else did and didn't really understand what I was copying, I just, you know, I just kept going in circles. But once now that I'm understanding what I'm doing, it's much, much clearer, and I've been getting better results. I've been getting results. Because I understand. If somebody would ask me something before about what I did, I couldn't even come back. You know, it's like the, um, uh, you know. But once you understand and don't just copy what somebody else have did and sent the paperwork in, you got to be able to understand and explain and come back on somebody when they telling you something and it's not correct and you know it's correct, or you can explain what you're talking about. So I see that that makes a big difference uh, in this. And this is all paperwork. It's about the paperwork now. Well, we're going to end this tonight, and uh, just remember we will be back next Sunday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow I will be on with uh, Dr. Robert X. And, uh, you know, he breaks the political, metaphysical things down. And so uh, join me tomorrow. Now, we'll be on at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, with uh, Dr. X. So Dr. X will be on tomorrow and Tuesday, hopefully, but we'll be on. And so until then, much, much love. Let's start with hope I threw it in the middle like a skipping stone A ripple's one, son of a gun Some would not have thought so But I stand here, commander-in-chief And I take that seriously But along the way A rogue ripple turned tidal to what I tried to do, a rebirth of a nation's hatred, red, white, and blue, is black in there too, seriously. One man, rewriting the book on bad behavior, maybe cheats the neighbors, feels he gets what they pay for weekends. Pat him on the back and send him on through. No man's ignorance will ever be his virtue. 
Is this the best we can be? Seriously. Let's talk of fear And why I don't bring it in here It's a dangerous word Spooks to herd And we all bleed in the stampede Fear makes a false friend indeed And I take it seriously three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com.